Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Oh, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes, and we are in the midst of the health series. I hope you're enjoying it so far. Today, we are speaking with Vincent Espinito. He is a functional medicine practitioner out of New York and an absolute delight to listen to. He's so passionate about really creating a healthy environment and something that's sustainable. He combines his passion for cooking and his expertise in functional medicine to create realistic, sustainable practices to prevent and treat chronic disease. That's right. We talked about this in the microbiome and we've talked about many different principles that will keep you healthy for all of your life throughout many stages in your life as you age and how to kind of reverse aging. Did I just say that? Oh my God. Yes, I did. So without further ado, welcome Vincent. Hi, Vincent. It's such a pleasure to have you on Fear It Goes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for having me on. It's a a pleasure to be here. I wanted to kind of like cut right in and get to the goods of what functional medicine is and Um, how people can utilize some of this knowledge and bring it to their daily lives. Right. Okay. So um, broadly speaking, I I think functional medicine is, if I were to define it, define it, it's definitely more of a holistic approach. If you're comparing, if you're comparing it to like conventional medicine, um, yes, you're looking at like different body systems, but not necessarily in isolation. You're kind of looking at them in relation to how something wrong in one area could ha- affect maybe other places that might not necessarily be related, or at least you might totally not agree. think of maybe up front. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like as, as a shorthand definition, it's definitely more like holistic. I like to think it's more uh, individualistic too. Um, being that obviously you want to look at each person as kind of a, a unique case in its own right and understand that the goal of it is to find the root cause versus maybe like putting a Band-Aid on, on symptoms. I guess that's kind of the, the spark notes definition. Uh, so, so, so aligned. I am 100% in agreement. There is always a root. It's never usually what you think it is. And, and it sometimes seems, there's not one. I think yeah. that's kind of the tricky thing too. Well, and it seems to affect like multiple, it cascades in different places in our bodies and what happens and how we respond to those um, roots or those issues. And I'm a big believer in approaching from a multi-system, not a singular system approach. So love this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> love no, this. absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I think it's important to understand like just because a problem might originate in one place doesn't necessarily mean that's the, the place that is most obviously affected or at least the most obvious symptoms come from. It doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Don't you find, so I find with symptoms, symptoms very often people are looking at the symptoms thinking they're the problem and, sure. um, and then we treat a symptom and then another symptom pops up. Someone described this to me like this before and I loved the analogy. It's perfect. So think of symptoms um, in a bathtub floating around and the, or the cause is the plug. 
right? So you're, you've got all these symptoms floating around and you try and resolve a symptom and more come up and they just, they're all there. Right. If we get to the root cause, we unplug the tub and all the symptoms go away. And it's like very, very true. I find this. So like I'm a hypnotherapist um, amongst other things, but in, in that, that's the first approach I take to things is finding out what the root is because we really store things in our bodies mm-hmm. that are caused by other things, <laughs> usually our head. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, that definitely to, to some extent for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's not something as obvious, you know, like you cut your hand on a knife and like, oh, you could pinpoint exactly what it is. Right. Or, particularly i mean yes sure like in acute situations like say i cut myself right of course yes you can identify the cause and what happened but a lot <laughs> it's of no these longer things, really a symptom though <laughs> right well there's pain and blood and stuff like that <laughs> right but um yeah I, I think it's important i think functional medicine's role is much more aligned with um identifying and addressing more kind of chronic symptoms whereas the conventional approach is definitely and it's very effective for a lot of um acute type symptoms where we're talking about like emergency room visits obviously you know surgeries injuries stuff stuff like that it's very effective too obviously and it's it's needed that's not to say that one approach is necessarily better than the other in agreed in a whole way but they just the problem is when we're using conventional or acute therapies to treat chronic conditions and that becomes the disconnect I would agree a hundred percent. And I think that like, for me, you and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. I look at um, in- inflammatory diseases and inflammation in the body and what it's done over long periods of time right? and how that can be corrected. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't look at that from the symptom of the diabetes or the symptom of, cause these become the symptoms. They are the symptoms of the older problem that can be ad- corrected and, ad- and addressed. Yeah. And I think the important part, if we'll use diabetes as the example here, is you don't just wake up one day and have diabetes either. Exactly. You might get a diagnosis one day, but that doesn't mean you <laughs> that, that doesn't mean you haven't had it for months, years. I mean, who knows when the last time wherever you might have went to the doctor or something. Right. Um, and, and leading up like you're right, well, exactly just been yeah. small, little quiet symptoms. Right. We, I mean, these things take months and years to develop a lot of the yes. times. And unless like you're willing to to take a step back, kind of look at yourself in the mirror a little bit, not in like even a judgmental way. Never just, just, in a judgmental way. No, but just, just to be like, Hey, you don't end up sometimes in a lot of these places by accident. Most of the time there are things, if you are willing to kind of peel back the curtain and yeah, take a look at what you're doing in your own life. And, and I've had, you know, some experience with this myself personally. Um, but if you're willing to, to recognize, oh, maybe I went wrong here or there, and then I noticed, you know, six months later, I started feeling this, or maybe my joints started hurting, right. or, you know, kind of feel fuzzy, or, or, you know, like, I'm not as sharp, like, mentally as I used to be. Right. What I mean, it could, it could manifest in hundreds of different ways, but yes, then you can't, like, as long as you find kind of where, oh, I might have veered, you know, off this path that I probably should have been on that's where you can start being honest with yourself and then re- retracing those steps. And then that's how you kind of get on the road to improvement, get back on track. Kindred spirits. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the audience doesn't, that you were 
originally trained as a chiropractor. So we have to, I have to, mm-hmm. I got to hear this story because I don't even know it. So listeners, buckle okay, up. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I grew up, I'm from New York. Um, both my parents from Brooklyn, uh, like both Brooklyn Italian families. So I grew up, uh, my mom cooked like a ton and it was nice getting to come home every day, you know, from practice or whatever I was doing. And I'd kind of just like watch and, and kind of never, never wouldn't really do much, but I was kind of always interested in like being around the kitchen. Like food is definitely a big part of my life. Food Has should been. be a part of everybody's life. It's delicious I and it's wonderful. Agree. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Um, but I never really cooked before. And like, you know, I just kind of was like around and watched and eventually I go to college. Um, I'm playing like baseball in college and it's the first time I'm kind of living, well, not on my own. I'm living with roommates and whatnot, but first time not having like home cooked meals on a regular basis anymore. And, you know, I, I thought I was making like the right decisions in college. And to be quite honest, like I didn't know much about like nutrition or anything. I just kind of thought I was doing the right thing, like having salads and whatnot and eating at, at like the dining halls and stuff and over like the first year or so started putting on like a little bit of weight i think at the end of the day between my, my junior senior year from freshman year i put on like 25 pounds i was just as active so like i didn't think it was like a big issue i figured like a lot of it was just like extra muscle but over like as time went on towards the back end of my college i've been time in college um start having like alternating bouts of like diarrhea, constipation, um, not necessarily like lethargic, but like brain fog, um, just general, like, I don't know, just didn't like feel great or sharp, I guess would kind of be the way to put it. Um, but I didn't really think anything of it. And, uh, while I was at college, I worked with the trainer, the head, the head strength conditioning coach on campus. And I got a job kind of like as an assistant for the last three years in college. And when I was there, my dad was kind of already a chiropractor and I was going back and forth at that point. Like I wanted to get like into rehab at some point. And towards the end, I was like, well, you know, he's already a chiropractor. I might as well just go to chiropractic school and go into like sports rehab. That was kind of my initial, my initial plan. And now like a few months later, I started chiropractic school later that summer after I graduated undergrad and this is the first time living like completely alone. I had like a studio apartment in Connecticut. I was just kind of living by myself. And this was where I kind of had to teach myself how to cook and I never did before. (laughs) And I didn't have like a lot of time with like studying and whatnot. So I tried to make like a game of it and I would try to like set like a timer for like an hour and learn what I can do. And I'm talking, I learned from like the basics, like how to boil water and like hard boil an egg and stuff like that. <laughs> that is uh, pretty basic. Yes. Yep. Like very, very basic. And I was calling my mom a lot, just trying to try to like learn. Cause I had all these like hand me down, like pots and pans and stuff and just like figuring out how they work. Um, so that was like kind of how I learned how to cook. And I started with kind of a lot of the things I grew up and, Kind of like stereotypical stuff, excuse me, a lot of like pasta, like kind of like basic like American Italian dishes were the first right. things I learned because that's kind of how I learned, how I figured it out. Um, but what I noticed is I still had like all this weight I put on and I still had those same symptoms from college. They didn't really go away. And, and probably, you were I think aware it was like, of those? What? 
And you were aware of those? Well, I noticed I started feeling different. I mean, the weight gain, like, obvious. It was like a 25-pound difference. So right. that's obvious. But, like, right. um, the other, definitely, like, the brain fog. Like, I did notice, like, I started drinking coffee in college. I never did that before. Right. Um, and now, like, even now, I go kind of, like, on and off with it. It's not. Same. Anyway, <laughs> anyway tangent. Um, but, yeah, stuff like that, just kind of, like, brain fog, like, couldn't really concentrate as well as I know like I could and like the second semester or so we're taking biochemistry courses and I'm taking the second time but we had this naturopath as my teacher and she kind of put of all the biochem in the context of like nutrition and how like food plays a role and I was like oh this is pretty cool so uh at Bridgeport they have like a concurrent program where I could get my master's in nutrition and that kind of like sparked my interest so I was like oh I'm gonna get that too so I'm concurrently getting both degrees and about like halfway through the master's program, I decided, you know what? I think like kind of how I feel like a lot of people end up in this realm to some extent. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be my first kind of guinea pig on this. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I started changing a lot of what I was eating. Um, I've started eating obviously a lot more like plants, fruits and vegetables for sure. Yeah. And what I noticed in like the first mm, like three, four weeks, a lot of like the brain fog started to go away and like yep. the diarrhea constipation type stuff started going away Immediately, too. Yeah. yeah, it was within the first couple of weeks. And over the next, I want to say like four months, four or five months, like all that weight I put on came off. And at that point I was like, okay, like this is kind of what I want to do for a living. And this is why I'm still in chiropractic school. So, <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, that was kind of where I was at at that point. I was like, you know what? I, I, this is like really powerful stuff. And if people are willing to, you know, again, not like in a non-judgmental way, but like see what they're doing yeah, and know that there's like ways you can actually really reverse a lot of these kind of chronic things they might've been dealing with for months and years. To oh, even we totally if you, can. Yeah. And even if you're getting like percentage improvements without side effects, I don't see the reason to not even try it. Um, but yeah, a lot of these things can, can be sometimes outright reversed. It's crazy. And it's just simple things that you could change in your own life. It's, it's pretty wild. I couldn't agree more. And I find yeah. it fascinating how often people like I'm dealing with someone who's had stem cell, um, replacement done, like has tried everything mm -hmm. and nothing has worked. So, um, with us, first I looked at the diet and I went, okay, there's a massive problem with the diet. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we, we addressed that. And then my next move was to go in and do hypnosis and to figure out why this all started. And it's quite right. fascinating why and how people hold things. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to look at ourselves, and you're right, no judgment. And this yeah. is hard for most people is to not sit there and judge themselves and say, well, I've tried this 60 times and it hasn't worked and I'm a failure and whatever other bullshit we want to feed ourselves. Cause that is we're ingesting our own garbage sure, and yeah. then wondering why we're not okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but having a guide that really knows how to take you through and get you to your optimum health without the, without the judgment, because mm -hmm. we like, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, when I'm dealing with something really big, I tend to be my worst critic. Oh, it, it's crazy. And honestly, it's lovely to have someone on the outside that doesn't see 
the bullshit that I'm feeding myself Mm -hmm. so that they can just be honest with me and say, well, this is what's happening here. Right. Right. And give me truth. So same thing when it comes to our diets and the way that we're feeding ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important to have a guide or someone outside that is not emotionally attached to whatever it is you are emotionally attached to when you're trying to make the shift. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, you mentioned it too, like kind of the the negative self-talk. I mean, that's something I think at this point, I mean, personally, I think I've realized like it's going to be there to some extent, but like yeah. how you how you react to it is completely kind of on you. So it is still kind of a balancing act. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist or that's going to go away because <laughs> right. I don't think it will. Like, I don't think it ever it's will. It's your completely. ego. It's but part you of do have system. kind of um how you react how you react to it is still a choice so i think of it from a reaction meaning mm-hmm. i am reacting out something that is or right. a responsive meaning i'm pulling away i'm observing and then i'm moving forward and big differences between the two and it doesn't matter who you are how far advanced you are how aware you are you will mm-hmm. still fall back into those moments where you are very reactive because it's butting up against something you've experienced that you haven't necessarily flushed out. Right. Yeah. No. And that's a, yeah. And joys of being human. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. And I think just like the key component, well, one of the key components of it is that if you think it's going to like completely disappear, most likely it's not like it will manifest itself, whether it's like triggers or something like that. But again, like as long as you're able to, identify them and then once you can do that you're in kind of control how you react to it absolutely and then that's kind of where you kind of see some uh you get to make some headway so it's funny when you were talking about the whole guinea pig thing too because mm-hmm. um you and i talked about how i first started i read a mm-hmm. book <laughs> right it's funny how it starts with a book or something and then mm-hmm. i literally went to myself i can't unknow this oh yeah damn it <laughs> yeah and I knew after reading that, that if I didn't make changes now, I was literally setting myself up for a very painful latter life. Mm-hmm. I knew that. So I made changes and the weight just fell off. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's funny because I think that's a really big misconception is people think that, so you gained yours in a fairly short shorter period of time so for you it was really noticeable for me it was Mm -hmm. slow incremental and you just assume that as you get older you just you know you just gain some weight it's not you know you're still pretty healthy i thought i was really healthy i ate a lot of fruits and vegetables but i ate a lot of other things that i didn't realize were really not healthy right and i didn't realize how much until i actually started um, tracking macros and that made the world a difference to me yeah the difference and i set people up now with food journals And I find that very, very helpful because it allows them to see, one, how foods are setting them off in their body, how they feel from that food, and then what they're eating. Mm -hmm. Because more often than not, you know, hey, I'm in a hurry. I got to grab something. I snack on something. And it's the first thing I can find. Mm -hmm. You know, or I'm running out the door. What's really quick that I can just take with me. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have something healthy, then I'm just going to grab whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think a, a food journal, as you mentioned, is, I think as a practitioner is one of the most powerful tools you have. And it's something so simple. I mean, I it have is. a PDF one I use, but you yep. can use a notebook, you can use whatever you want. This doesn't need to be complicated stuff. Totally but, doesn't. 
But what is interesting is like, particularly you mentioned like food sensitivities is you could feel, you could have symptoms anywhere between like 24 to 72 hours later. And yep. I don't know about you, but like, I don't know what I ate three days ago. Not <laughs> off the top of my head. So if you have at least something where you have hard data and not only that, if you are working with someone, now they mm-hmm. have something that they can use and, and kind of you can work together with. It's very tough. Yep. One thing I've noticed, at least with those that like I've worked with, is day one is, or say your initial, you know, consultation. Yep. It's very tough to get like a real snapshot because you're mm-hmm. going off just kind of straight, you know, just memory for the most part, and not, not to say that everyone's lying or something, but there's always oh, you're not you're never going to get the whole picture. Is my point. So that first month or so of like tracking that is like mm-hmm. really really critical. I think on both sides of that, of that relationship. And it's, it's funny because remember I, I just said, like, I thought I ate healthy. You thought you were eating healthy. Yeah. Right. I I thought I was making good choices. I thought I was making good choices too. And because like I eat a lot of vegetables and I eat a lot of greens. So Mm -hmm. I just assumed that, Hey, I'm, I'm eating well, Mm -hmm. but it's when you start to actually see what you're doing and you're tracking. And I did find this really, um, really, really interesting. When you look at eliminating certain foods because they're problematic and then reintroducing them after a month, after two months, yeah. because it's correction already in the biome, mm-hmm. it's amazing what happens to a lot of these sensitivities, right? Well, yeah. You're taking the stressor out of the system so the system can repair and then mm-hmm. the system's repaired and then you're good to go. Some things will never come back, but rarely rarely is what I'm seeing. Like I was lactose intolerant for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really, really sick in Mexico. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> got really sick there. This was in my early 20s or yeah, early to mid 20s. And I had read that when you have a major digestive trauma, um, it's not uncommon to become lactose intolerant or to have sensitivities. And it's interesting because what you're doing with digestive traumas and then you take antibiotic after antibiotic. And I literally went through like a round of six weeks of like, we had a parasite and like, oh my God, I was so sick. Mm-hmm. So, but you're, you're removing a whole bunch of strains that are necessary to create the absorption or create the ability to absorb and, right. and break down. And then you don't have them. <laughs> so yeah. no wonder we are no longer able to do that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm really glad you brought up, um, like, I say, like a one to two month break. So, uh, I'm not sure if you've gone over this on your show before, but the the reason why uh, food intolerance is like why you're intolerant is they're usually due to IgG antibodies. Yep. So <laughs> yes, okay. But what is interesting is the half life of IgG antibodies is like 21, 22 days, something like that. So. You double that, that's 42 days, that's about six weeks. So basically every six weeks, give or take, you're getting an entirely new set of IgG right. antibodies. So that, it, that makes sense why as to somewhere in that one to two month range where you ha- might've had an intolerance, you have a whole new set of antibodies at that point that might not be intolerant to something, um, say two months later. Right. So that is where that connection actually makes a lot of sense, at least from like you know, a biological perspective. Absolutely. Dairy is different. And I actually just did a video of, about this on YouTube Ooh, like last week. <laughs> uh, well, because the difference with dairy is it's not really an intolerance compared to like other foods. It's actually just you don't 
have enzymes anymore. And most human adults lose all the, not all, nine, 85 to like 90% of lactate of the lactase enzymes they have when they're infants. And there's right. a biological reason for that. You don't need milk anymore to survive, breast right. milk to survive anymore. Um, so most adults, some somewhere, some of the studies I've seen, it's somewhere like 75, 80% of all adults worldwide lose some, like 90% of their lactase enzymes. Ironically, most of the adults that do keep them, and it's still like a small amount, relatively mm -hmm. speaking, but they're located in Northern Europe, United States, say. Australia. <laughs> so interesting yes. thing about lactose <laughs> and la like milk and Europe is their process for pasteurization is different. They don't heat to the same temperatures. They mm -hmm. don't kill off the bacteria that's in that milk. So it's interesting because lactobacillus is mm -hmm. the most common um, for digestion of lactose. <laughs> we right. need this bacteria. And it actually, it does a lot of really great things in our body and it keeps um, yeast at a lower level and it, mm -hmm. lots of great things. But um, this, this particular strain um, really does help us with lactose. And when we are lacking it, we don't absorb it the same way and we don't have the ability to produce the enzymes. So it's, it's fascinating to me when I look at different strains in the biome mm -hmm. and what they govern. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, I mean, again, like just through the course of life, most people are going to lose a majority of their lac lactase enzymes. Okay. Just, that's just matter of fact speaking. Right. But what is interesting you brought up is where this dairy is being processed or how much it's being processed. And like you said, right. if it's keeping more of its original strains, Nature. if it's as close <laughs> to kind of that regular product, then you're going to have a lot of those strains that aren't going to get pasteurized off. And that helps with the digestion to an extent. Now, personally, I don't consume dairy at all. Um, I don't feel great when I do. Yep. But for me, uh, it's kind of more of an exogenous hormone thing. And I see a lot of people with kind of like hormonal imbalances and stuff. Dairy is a very not easy one to give up, but it's usually a big player. Yep. <laughs> so if you can kind of get rid of that, it like seems like that's, that plays a big role. Okay. And for any of you who really love dairy and say, there's no way I'm getting rid of cheese and there's no way I'm getting rid of ice cream or certain things, mm -hmm. know this, the higher the fat, and there's only a few exceptions to this, but the higher the fat, the lower the lactose. So when you're looking at cheeses, your hard cheeses like Parmesan's and Asiago, stuff like that, all these beautiful Italian cheeses, yum, mm -hmm. yum, yum. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they have very little lactose in comparison to something like a brie, for instance, although right. brie has a high fat. This is one of the exceptions. But when you're dealing with things like milk, specifically, um, like I use... Uh, a heavy cream in mm -hmm. my coffee. That's mm -hmm. all I use. And I wouldn't drink a milk because it would probably, it would probably still hurt me. Right. It's the lactose is just too high in that. So mm -hmm. I just make sure that if I'm having something, I'm going to make sure that there's as little as possible in it. And right. then ice cream, I always go for straight up ice cream, not iced milk and not dairy like whatever they call the dairy desserts or frozen desserts and they're not even ice cream anymore right. yeah those things <laughs> yeah so um if i'm gonna eat stuff like that i make sure that i'm eating good quality sure and yeah. i'm not eating it in high high quantities either yes yeah yeah i mean that's a good kind of uh 
like baseline rule. Um, I do notice that most of the people that do give up dairy tend to do a lot better more quickly. That's just a matter of fact. I mean, I can, I, I can encourage people to maybe not do it, but if they're not right. going to do it, you know, right. I, At least give them I a buffer. I just, can't. Yeah. I can't like, make the decision for everyone. Cut um, some I of can these just things out. tell you, yeah. I can yeah. just kind of tell you, you know, where I fall on it and what the research <laughs> I've looked at kind of, you know, where I kind of fall based on what I've read about it is. Right. So I, yeah. I am, I look at things very much from what is sustainable with everybody. So what is sustainable Fair. for me is not necessarily sustainable for someone else. So there's certain things that I was like, I have no problems getting rid of this. And for some people that's feels like an impossibility, right? At least if you take it in baby steps or you just alter some of the things you're doing, you're going to be better. And then you can like, you can reduce as you go. Like yogurt is one thing that I will always eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And I eat plain yogurt, mm-hmm. um, but I eat a high fat yogurt. I don't mm-hmm. eat a zero fat yogurt ever, <laughs> yeah. but I am keto. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of yeah. the way I look at it is everything, at least again, if I'm looking at it through the, the lens of maybe like working with someone one-on-one, yep. there's always compromise. This is any relationship right. you call it doctor patient, you call it client, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, friends, loved ones, spouses, whatever. It, it's a relationship to some extent. There's always compromise. One of the things that I tried to help people kind of work towards and and try to figure out, you know, what might work for them is using this 80-20 rule or whatever. I mean, you could use, call it whatever you want, but basically like sticking somewhere to around 80% is going to kind of at least get you moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, I do want to kind of, now I'm not some, I I can kind of go into like crash diets and that's kind of like an issue too, but I'll save that for a minute. Um, That being said, 80%, if you're in school, 80% is well, like a B, B minus. So like, (laughs) I'm serious. No, it totally is true. And I think diet is more like 90% of our weight is based on our diet. And I would even tend to push even further than that. I think we can almost manage everything by diet. So, um, a, a huge, a, a large majority of things. Yeah. Yes, you can. The closer we can get to like a hundred percent is great, but like, I'm not going to be like a fool and say like, listen, real life gets in the way. I know there's going to be like birthday parties and, and dinners out sometimes and yeah, dinners out with yeah. friends, like whatever, just get proactive and plan ahead because that is really going to, that is going to be the key to longevity. It's not necessarily perfection. It's about consistency. Totally agree. And do you find, okay, so I find a lot of people ask me, well, how do you eat out? Like, how do you eat when you go to a restaurant? If this is the way you eat, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so sugars are gone for me. Um, And occasionally I'll have like a cake or something when I'm out, but it's so rare for me now um, to eat like that. And they're like, do you just eat salads? I'm like, that would be really boring. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't no. even do that. No, like, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't either. And I find it's not really that difficult. Like, I just tell people I'm on a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, I can I have more vegetables, or um, and I have a good quality meat, you know? Or I just tell like I'm. It's not really that hard to eat out. I don't find. Do you find? Um, I mean. I mean, I don't know how long I've been like transitioned into this. So it's been like <laughs> seven, eight years. So at this point, no. 
Um, initially, I do understand like how it gets more difficult, but I never looked at it like a hundred. Like I said, it's that eighty twenty rule. Like if I eat out, it's like once a week for one meal, maybe. So right. like, and if I I understand that if say it's if you're eating twenty one meals in a week, eighty percent's like seventeen eighteen, give or take, and that's right. not counting like alcohol and stuff like that, because then you would have to kind of bump that up. But anyway, <laughs> if I'm only eating out like once a week like whatever like i'm not gonna really think too much into it and even with that like you could still make like decent choices i don't absolutely but even if i do um if i do eat out i just assume it's not going to be great even if it's like a decent (laughs) it's just an easier way again like why make things more complicated than they need to be sometimes you just say like hey like every time i go out to eat it's just going to be like eh, or or it's probably not the greatest for me even if it's a good restaurant Right. For me, it's, again, it's consistency, right? It's like, what are the easiest things to kind of stick with? And if I'm making like 90% of my food, at least for me, then it's all good for me. Like if I go out to eat or if I go out with friends, you know, for like a couple of drinks or something, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. And that's kind of where I fall on it. I think that's really key here too, is not to beat yourself up because people fall off the wagon, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my God, I went out last night. I had three drinks and I, I ate totally crappy. I can't believe I did that. And then they like, there's an interesting, there's an interesting process in our minds when we feel we've really screwed up, right? It's like that willpower just dissolves Mm -hmm. and then we get stuck in our own, our own back steps. You know, we've stepped back. Okay, so you've Mm -hmm. taken 10 steps forward and three steps backwards just now, but you've taken 10 steps forward and you're not acknowledging the 10 steps. You just see the last three. Yeah, and and yeah, it's kind of, again, perfection's kind of the enemy of good. And and again, if we're shooting for like perfection, it's not- It's not attainable. It's not gonna happen. No, it's not sustainable. Even at like the highest levels. I mean, you can only be, if we're going to use like the athlete analogy, like mm. you can only be at that like extreme level for, for how long, 10, 15 years max. It's not, you're not going to, it's whatever it is. It's not going to kind of last for forever. So. And they don't eat perfect either. Well, <laughs> that's a whole separate thing, but <laughs> yeah, it's it, again, like don't get strung up, caught up in, in the one kind of mishap if you're you know doing like 90 80 or 90 percent of it you're you're kind of getting there and and as long as you're able to like keep it kind of simple in terms of that's how you look at it i think that helps with stress to some extent but it comes back to that being honest with yourself too right because yeah. if you're if you're saying it's 80 percent and maybe it's like 50 then you kind of have to do some adjusting too so like there is a give and take to it but again it's are you, if you are working with someone, how transparent are you being with them? And if you're not, how transparent are you being with yourself? Because if you honestly want to see change, it's more about the long run than what you do, you know, tonight for dinner that one time or the birthday party you're going to next Friday. Like that, it's more than that. It's everything between that. This is so true. What you just said about the being honest with ourselves and being honest with who we're working with. I think it's crucial for us to be really honest with ourselves and without judgment. I can't state this enough because it's so Mm -hmm. easy for us to fall into our own self-criticism, but to just look at it and say, okay, I ate this way yesterday. Today's a new day. Or I ate this way, you know, for dinner last night, today's a new day. And my food journal is just going to 
it's going to be a blessing today or whatever. Move forward and don't get stuck in the I screwed up or I feel like I ate something I should have shouldn't have or I really did something that set me back or any of these things because you yes you need to be really honest with you but without the judgment you have to be able to move forward and you can't with the judgment in place mm -hmm. yeah that, that that's it and again more more often than not most of the time like where you are today is a product of what you've done most likely for years and yep. expecting kind of like this overnight, you know, snap of the fingers and, and it's everything's gone it is <laughs> yeah. just not realistic. So you need to set up kind of like real attainable kind of mini goals, maybe every couple of weeks, every month, whatever it is, and kind of understand and like enjoy the journey of it because it's not something mm -hmm. that you want to do for like a month or two, it's something ideally you want to be able to sustain, you know, for the rest of your for life, ideally, life. that that's really kind of the, the name of the game. It's sustainability. Yeah. And life, and this is a lifestyle change. It's a right. life, it's a life change. Mm -hmm. Like our diets are really part of our lives. And it's, <laughs> I think it's really funny. So many people think of diet as like a swear word. <laughs> well, because yeah. Um, I think that has a lot to do with how, I mean, especially now with like social media and stuff like that, it, it's a lot of, you can name any diet under the sun. It's gonna, you're going to have someone talking about it who might know about it or not, but they have like a huge following and it's like, Hey, I did this for like a couple of weeks and I feel great and show like whatever, <laughs> but and show like a picture, like without a shirt on or like a bikini <laughs> picture or something like that. And it's like, Oh, I have to do this. And it becomes this kind of like, crash dieting cycle i mean there's a reason why what is it like 95 percent of diets don't work i mean it's because again perfection is kind of the enemy of good and not only that like are yeah. you kind of educated as to like what you're doing and yeah are mindful of like what is sustainable for you long term yeah it, it, absolutely it's, it's tricky yeah. and what's what's going to work for you knowing your own body yeah it's funny because i said i'm keto but i i am keto but i'm also i carb cycle sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, I intermittent fast and I find now that I'm in better shape than I was. Oh, definitely throughout my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just, I, oh, I can't believe I'm admitting this. So I just turned 47. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I'm 30, but I like physically I'm in the same weight I was when I was in my latter teens, early twenties. Mm -hmm. And there is something to be said about that too. I remember reading years ago and I thought it was just a bunch of bullshit to be honest. I read that you're like, if you've gained more than five pounds since your high schoolish years, now this may not come into play with people who were carrying extra weight in high school, but I didn't, I was pretty fit. I was active. If you're carrying about five or more, if you carry more than five pounds that this is now you usually overweight, like overweight for yourself. And I went, that's just ridiculous because you know, I work out, I eat well, I, all these things mm -hmm. until I, I really tracked until I really recognized how I was eating for me. When I went keto, it was not really about going keto. And I, I, I really understand, um, keto clean, keto dirty or whatever you want to call it, like mm -hmm. eating properly and getting the right macros in and not just your macros, but 
what those mean. It's like when I look at carbs, carbs are not all built the same. Um, right. And proteins are not all built the same and neither are fats. So you want to make sure that you're really feeding your body in the best way that you can to get the most out of it. And that brain fog was such a big tell for me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that I was fighting that. None. Right. That's why I said, like, were you really that aware? Because I didn't know until it left. And then I went, wow, retention is incredible. Recall is incredible. And Mm -hmm. just the ability to kind of the sharpness and the ability to kind of grab words on the fly or or concepts or just completely different ballgame with Mm -hmm. how I was functioning. And then when I did slip back in, because at some point I'm I slipped back into eating too many carbs. Like, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have moments when we fall off our wagon or we are not perfect. But I really recognized how that was affecting me mentally. Yeah. Because I wasn't, I was no longer sharp. I was tired. And I just had to take a round of antibiotics. I I got a kidney infection, actually. What a mess that made of my bio. Yeah, I'm sure. Two weeks of high dose, high, high dose antibiotics will do a lot to a system. And then mm-hmm. just rebuilding that and just the clarity again. I've noticed because I'm still in the midst of um, readjusting the biome, almost there. What a difference it's made in mental clarity and, and then mm. how much I noticed that. Yeah, no, no, it is kind of amazing. Like what, what you can do and and what can what can change you know when you when you kind of commit to something um i, I mean yeah I, one thing i will say about i don't know about most but a lot of the the one commonality between i guess most of the popular diets out there today are i mean you're getting rid of like the processed foods and sugars and stuff like that right. that's obviously all kind of all kind of what you're looking to do in, in a nutshell. Um, and any and anything you do with feeding yourself. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's going to be like kind of a, a through line for, mm-hmm. for really any of them. And that's kind of where, where I think most of that, uh, that transition takes place. It's like when that stuff kind of reappears and comes back in, that's kind of where <laughs> a lot of the symptoms come back, come back and yeah. aches and pains and joint pains and stuff like I know yeah, it's huge. for a lot of people when they kind of get into their forties and like we live a very sedate stationary kind of existence today. We sit in front of a computer more often than not mm-hmm. and we're not as active. Even if you go to the gym, you're still like certainly not as active as we were, you know, 50, a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I found um, when I went keto the weight was the bonus in comparison to everything else. Like the joint pain, I used to have massive problems with my hip and that all went away. Um, Mm -hmm. My knees used to click, that all went away. Like Mm -hmm. so many things shifted because of the inflammation. And when we feed ourselves well, the inflammation isn't even a part of our process anymore Mm -hmm. where it's it's very minimal. Yeah. Yeah. And I look yeah. at inflammation from a stress standpoint, and it's basically like chronic stress on the body. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's an yeah. you know environmental stressor. I mean, food is could be an environmental stressor, or it could help you. It could be 
Mm. Either way, it's kind of that that's the choice you make kind of on a day to day basis. It's not the only choice, but it's probably the biggest one, I think. Yeah. On a day to day basis. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of other factors that play a role, whether it's, you know, stress. Are you sleeping enough? Are you getting enough quality sleep? Do you like your job? Like, do you like, <laughs> no, these are yes, real absolutely. things. Yeah. Of course they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all this stuff kind of plays a role. Um, I don't want to say it's less important than food because they all kind of work together. It's a cohesive thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the one thing that could kind of tie everybody together it is food to some extent. Yeah. And, you know, being able to kind of make changes um, isn't necessarily just dependent on whether you want to or not. Um, I had a friend a few months ago ask me, he is, uh, <laughs> it was kind of out of nowhere. He was like, hey, uh, you know, like out of the people you work with, you know, like what is the hardest condition to treat? And like, I was kind of caught a little off guard by it. Like I, I kind of paused for a second and I was like, you know, it's not necessarily like condition dependent. It, the, the biggest factors I've found mm-hmm. to if people are going to be successful or not is are the people they live with or the people they spend a lot of time with willing to jump on board or not. Yes. That's yes. really the biggest predictor of, of is someone going to get better or not, or is this going to work? So That's what it, I noticed. Oh my God. I'm working with a client who has a caregiver and mm-hmm. This is the biggest concern is whether or not she will stay on board with the dietary changes because she makes this food. Yeah. Right. And if she can't stay on board with these changes, that's his health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's tough. I, and yeah. that's, that's that to me, at least again, com- this is anecdotal for the most part, but I've, that is the biggest predictor of is someone going to improve or not? What's the chances they get better or not? It, it, it's that, that's it. It's the people generally you live with. Sometimes I find too, it's that um, I'm feeling better. <laughs> oh, I've heard people say this so often. I'm feeling so much better. I, I, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> well, then you kind of miss the boat of the whole thing, right? Again, these right. are changes you're supposed to make, you know, forever. And again, it comes back to like diets, like, I, I think what yep. I think the problem with diets, at least again, from how I was like trained and how I was like taught to use them is if you're going to use a diet specifically, like it's supposed to be for the short term, like a month. And then you transition into more kind of sustainable, sustainable. things. But like, if you're going to try to stick to like a ton of these like super hyper restrictive rules and stuff like that, Again, we're going to coming back to perfection is the enemy of good, and that same cycle tends to repeat itself. Yeah, that's what it seems to come back to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, but yeah, that is one, and yeah, how willing are you to like get in the kitchen if you never have before? <laughs> that, that I'm serious. Like you're asking for the biggest like fact. Uh, Factors as to if someone's going to follow through or not, those are the two biggest ones. I find At least I've too. seen personally. Well, and people say that I really want to make this change, but then the commitment really isn't there. So that obviously is another factor. How committed are you to making these changes for oh, yourself? Sure. Right. Yeah. Because I think that's the long term or the longevity of any healthy change is mm-hmm. the absolute willingness to really do what it takes to make the change. Yeah. And have the support system around you to make sure that if you do fall or um, 
or if you need that extra that extra help you've got it there yeah that's actually something i wanted to to check and something i've been doing more recently only because someone mentioned it to me and i was like oh crap that's a really good idea if you for whatever reason like are trying to make a change on your own and like you might not have that support in your mm-hmm. in your house go on google like go on facebook or something i guarantee there's a group that exists that is try- that is in your position and trying to do that so if you can't find that like support in your own house or in your immediate family or whoever you spend the bulk of your time with yeah go there because there will be people that are in a very similar if not basically the same situation and are looking for that same kind of guidance that you can get on almost like a 24 7 basis so look for those groups they exist they go on google go on facebook try to find one that like you can become a part of and get active and involved. And that's really a real, a big key if you don't have that kind of immediate support system in place. Cause I don't want to say it's completely hopeless if you don't, right. but you, having that support system battle. and and community is really, really key. And that was kind of the point I was trying to make. I, I think community is massively powerful when it comes to any change, mm-hmm. having that support system in place. And again, it takes us out of ourselves right? Mm -hmm. And makes things a lot easier because they've been there or they're there with us and they are not emotionally attached to whatever is happening within us. Mm -hmm. So it just, I think having that community and having that ability to be able to talk to people that really are there with you, world of difference, game changer, like success or failure. Yeah, that, that, that is really kind of the tipping point for a lot of cases I've seen and and both ways, good and bad. And you know what, sometimes it's just, you kind of reach that, that kind of wall. And are you, you know, are you willing to do it or whatever? Maybe, you know, you or your spouse is not willing to cook as often as you probably should. And that, that, that's kind of, it's very tough. I mean, here in New York, like where you're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of food options on a daily basis. Like it is very don't. easy to get sidetracked <laughs> like by walking down the block. It's I, I understand that. <laughs> and I do also understand kind of like we live in a world of like immediacy and it's really important that like if you really want to make health improvements, like you need to take the time for yourself and put in that time. Like if you want to help other people and I try to look at this myself, like I don't think I can be at my best to help other people if I don't take care of myself first. And that's not necessarily like, I don't consider that necessarily selfish. It's not, you have to be selfish. Also to be selfless. Yes. And who am I to like, I also think of it, who am I to kind of give someone, you know, advice in, in some sort of realm. Like if I can't take care of myself first, I I think maybe that's Mm -hmm. a very superficial way to look at it, but no. I, I don't I would find it hard to to listen to someone who didn't at minimum like practice what they were they were preaching. You seriously have to be selfish to be selfless. It's the whole concept yeah. of the oxygen mask. If mm-hmm. you are not here, you can't help anybody. Mm-hmm. So anything that you do, if you're giving half of you, it's not it's not you. It's not you giving right. all of you and when you are full because you've taken care of yourself, mm-hmm. you're able to give un limited amounts to others. So I, I never look at replenishing self ever Mm -hmm. from a selfish space. And if that's selfish, then please bring on the selfish because I can be a lot more selfless that way. 
And I can give a lot more to people when I'm full instead of when I'm empty. Oh, totally. And yeah. yeah, And you know, that that's burnout, right? Like, yeah. And then that's, again, comes back to this diet thing. Like, like, again, like if you're going to kind of go balls to the wall, a hundred percent and you know, after a week you're kind of spinning your wheels and you don't know where you are or a month or, I mean, that's basically about that's when you're going to fall off pretty much. Right. Like, again, like un- you have to understand like what's going on and then like, okay, maybe it's finding like a good rhythm and then building like stacking little wins whether it's like weekly small goals or bi-weekly, however you want to do it. Oh no. Weekly small goals are excellent. Yeah. The more we can reward ourselves, the more we're actually moving in the direction of the bigger goal. Always. Yeah. Just stack smaller wins. You need to break kind of big goals down into a bunch of smaller, actually, actually doable ones. And once you start doing that, I think once you get, if you're able to get to like month three without like figuring out like, Oh, Hey, I notice I can do this yeah. and it's not, it's not dominating my life in terms of like, it's every kind of thought and, and, and like worrying every second. Like that's really where you, that that's, I think where you kind of reached well, I'm like, Oh, I got it. So mm-hmm. what would be one thing that you would recommend someone could do today that would benefit them in the big overall scheme of things? Um, hmm. Well, for me, I mean, the, the majority of, of the things I do is, is like, if you don't cook, like just get in the kitchen, start doing something, learn how to do it because that is going to be more beneficial than most likely any doctor's office ever will be barring like an extreme or acute circumstance. The kitchen is going to be your best friend. Yeah. So if you don't have any experience, start, j- just get in the kitchen start. and start learning. <laughs> yeah. Just start. Like I taught myself from nothing. Anyone can do it. Trust me. I am not special in any way. It's just, it's repetitions and being, allowing yourself to fail. Like, I mean, I've made disaster dishes too and I cook every day. So like (laughs) it happens, it happened a lot. It used to happen a lot more than it does now. I will say that, (laughs) but, but be willing to kind of like fail and get creative. And that's, I think how you don't get bored. I do see that's kind of another big thing is like making the same thing all the time. Mm. You brought up the salad thing. Uh, That that was kind of, I like salad. But sure, I do too, but like, I'm not eating salad every day and I never no. will. Like that's not, <laughs> no. Um, that would be the biggest thing that, and if you do cook, try to get more plants any way you can. That's generally yeah. a good rule. Um, I, I know color. we're kind of running out of time, so I don't want to go into like individual diets and whatnot. But for me, a general rule is like, if you, whatever diet you follow or whatever, and maybe we could save that for another time or something. But if you can get a plate, that is 70% plants, then, then whatever your, your, your rules are, whatever diet yeah. you want to follow, do whatever you want to do. You could be vegan, you could be keto, whatever. Fill yep. up the plate with plants and you are already setting yourself up for success. So totally that would be what agree, I would say. totally agree. Yes, yeah. like keto or not, cutting carbs from the 50, 60% intake in your macro is like, I think that's way too high unless you're taking them through your, fruits and vegetables oh well that's where because that would that be is, yeah. right because yeah. again I'm i mean vegetables at, are mostly carbohydrates so, the, yes. so and but like i'm i will not tell anyone that they're ever eating too many vegetables because me not, neither me neither it's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> me neither yeah yeah um i'm just thinking more along the lines of what we would consistently think of as carbs because most people don't even well think that's of again that's not carbs. a health thing that's like a pop that's a pop culture thing what is carbs 
Carbs are like potato chips, but they're not sweet potatoes <laughs> for some reason. So like, I don't know why, again, it, it's not, it's just right. kind of how, I, I, don't, I don't understand how like pop culture comes up with this, but unfortunately that's the world we live in. So like, I, I think it's important to understand things like diet culture exists. Right. But again, that doesn't necessarily dictate how you react to it. Love that. Love that. Um, okay. So people can get a hold of you. What way, what are you into up to right now? Um, any of the listeners that may want to work with you, what would we do? Okay. So the easiest way to get in touch with me, regardless of what you're looking for is email. I'm pretty active on email. So it's just Dr. Vincent Esposito at Gmail, DR, my name, Vincent Esposito, easy enough. Um, what am I doing? So we have our own podcast, The Art of Eating, where it's me and Dr. Callie Olson. We talk about kind of everyday things you do and, and like what are things you can do in your kitchen to kind of get a little healthier. So sometimes we'll look at health conditions. Sometimes we'll just look at, we'll take like a health, uh, an item and talk about what are better choices you can make, stuff like that. We give recipes away every week on our show. Um, and it's, it's definitely more like lighthearted and fun. And we're, we're, we've had a lot of fun with it this first year. Awesome. Um, what else? Oh, I have a YouTube channel. That's the other thing I'm doing. So, nice. so right now I'm coming out with videos twice a week. One once is, well now once it's some sort of health topic I'm going to cover and the other is a plant-based recipe. So I show you step-by-step how to do it. So if you do want to learn how to cook, there are recipes that I'm putting out on a weekly basis. So if you, if you listen to me for this long, another five minutes or so a week probably won't hurt you. Um, so that's there too. Um, and yeah, so those are probably the, the ways I'm kind of out there. And you could get in touch with me. All the links are there and email, like I said, is the easiest way. And I will put those in the show notes. So anybody who wants to get a hold of Vincent, you are very welcome. Absolutely. Anyway. Excellent. Happy to help. thank you so much for coming on the show vincent it has been an absolute pleasure no problem thanks for having me on really appreciate it so my beautiful souls i really want to make sure that throughout this series you get a very clear understanding that our health is not just based on the physical that we are way more than just these bodies we inhabit and very often how much we really do need someone to walk us through all of the elements that are us and how to really, really live a very, very healthy life. As discussed in this episode, we did talk about guides and people who can help coach you and keep you on track and how sometimes that is truly the difference between our success and failure is having the systems in place, having proven systems in place and the knowledge based person to come in and really truly help you. If you are seeking that, contact me at Fear It Goes, brandy at fearitgoes.com and we can have a discussion around whether or not I can help you achieve your big health goals. Your health is always my number one priority, and I approach health from a very holistic viewpoint. I don't just see you as the physical. I do not just deal with diet. I deal with multiple aspects of who you are, 
you are the mind, body, and soul. And if we do not look at ourselves from these places, we often will continue the same behavioral patterns that we've experienced throughout our whole lives. So let's clear things and get out of our own way to really live an incredibly extraordinary life. So if this is you and you are seeking someone, I am your guide to the most amazing health of your entire life from today forward all the way into your 80s and 90s. I want to see you dancing in your 80s and 90s or whatever it is that you love doing. We are energetic beings that can absolutely live the most profound lives all the way through, all the way through. We do not have to suffer all these illnesses we associate with aging. Well, my beautiful peeps, that concludes this week's episode for the health series. And we are into next week's and we have such an incredible guest. Not that every guest isn't incredible because they are, they're all so amazing and I love them all. And I'm so grateful for everyone who comes in and collaborates with us here at Fear It Goes. But next week, we are talking about ways that we are healthy or not healthy from a different standpoint. So my beautiful peeps, until next week, have an absolutely extraordinary week. <laughs>